Under the old covenant, your sins could be covered, but only covered. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. The blood of an animal could bring a temporary veil for your offense, but total cleansing of sin would require a different kind of sacrifice, a deeper, more valuable offering in an act that could never be repeated. In the first chapter of his letter to the Hebrews, the author shows us the sharp contrast between the old and the new ways of relating to God, and especially between the many imperfect messengers and the one flawless message. Here's Jim to conclude his sermon, God Has Spoken. In these last days, notice, in contrast to long ago, God has spoken to us by His Son. His Son is the message. That's why He's called the Word of God. He is the articulation. He is not a representative. He is the authentic thing. And the writer is going to give us some of his qualifications that should build within us huge confidence that what God says through His Son is for real. There's no middleman now. This is God, the Father, dealing in and through and with God the Son, who is equally God no less than God the Father. This is, this is God speaking out for Himself, and He is speaking by living. His message is what He does. His speeches are to interpret what He meant how it works, why it works. Now, sometimes those of us who are more literary, we get really, really jacked up about the literary, this is what he said, this is what he said, this is what he said. Everything he said was intended to articulate, to draw out, to amplify, to give understanding and clarity to what he was, who he was what he was about, and why that was necessary. The Son is the message. Now watch. God has spoken to us. By the way, that has spoken is an interesting tense in the Greek language. It means subject is closed. It means it's a complete articulated message. Bill, I don't know what that would be. Chuck, I don't know what that would be for you lawyers, but it means that there is nothing can be added to it. Nothing. It's a finished document. It stands affirmed. It's in the perfect tense. Not just the past. It doesn't mean that God spoke during those years when Jesus Christ was here on earth, it means that what God said in through the Son is a self-authenticating record, a document that is closed, nothing to be added to it. 
But as what he said is worked out in history, both personal and national and creationship universal, the dynamic of what he said, the dynamic of what he provided is going to be actually articulated or accomplished. And we've already seen in scripture, it is finished, it is finished, it is finished, marking the stages where that which has been settled and finished is applied to, implemented, and accomplished in the realm of its importance. And when it's all done, when it's all done, there will be a new heavens, a new earth, a new universe, a new Jerusalem, and all the former things that are common to us today will be gone, passed away, gone. That's where we're headed. Okay. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, watch, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the universe. That's a reference to his son in relationship to creation. Look at it, past and present. First, the future. This son has been appointed heir of all things. All things belong to him. Every created thing belongs to Jesus. Every created thing belongs to him. And he will come into that inheritance. He will actually possess, own, rule, direct, dominate all creation. Notice it's the same creation through whom the universe was made. Now that, that word universe means ages through which the ages were framed. The ages. You see, there it's not just talking about the stuff, the stars, the asteroids, the cosmos, but it's talking about how that whole mechanism would function, what goals it would accomplish, what purposes it would serve, what stages it would move through. He made the ages. He didn't just create a machine. He created how that machine would function. Now, we lightly call that the laws of nature. And we have absolutely no inner sense the laws of nature are nothing but the pathway through which the will of God is expressed in articulating his plan through time and space. That's an incredible concept. The Bible dares to say that all things are controlled by him. Bible dares to say that all things are produced 
directed by Him. There's no fate. There's no chance. There's no mistake. Down in Alabama, we're supposed to be 70, and we're sitting there shivering in the dark and watching the news give us pictures of these symbols that show us that this great Arctic mass is moving down on us, and it's coming, and you know what we can do about it? Put another cover on the bed. Make the faucet drip a little bit. You know, that comes out of the West Virginia hickey stuff. But it worked. We didn't do it one night. It didn't work. Our pipes froze. We were without water for a couple of days. But I'm, I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm thinking how very, very helpless I am. And I'm sitting, sitting roughly 10 feet higher than the high point of the tide, 10 feet. And I'm looking out under the stars at that great, dark, dark mountain of water out there and thinking, what keeps it from coming up? What is it? And then I remember the psalm. God set the boundaries of the tide. So I'm caught between two absolutely, from my perspective, uncontrollable things. The weatherman can't fix it. Local mayor can't fix it. The governor can't change it. And there I am, absolutely, totally helpless. But God is in control. That's what that means. That means that God anticipated that night for me, for tricing at that place, at that time, to learn what lesson? That, Jim, you're really not in control. You, 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 you don't even understand this, but I only understand it. I have a plan. And that plan began when creation was spoken into existence. One more thing. That's in relationship to creation. Notice what it says about verse 3, notice what it says about his relationship with the Father. It says that he, the Son, is the radiance of his glory, the express impression or expression of his nature, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. That means that he was in charge of that storm. He sustains the world that he made. He exhibits his deity by mastering and controlling everything. 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 Tell me how many hairs you have on your head. You don't know. And for some of it's less than it was this morning. I know. I know that. Tell me what's going on in your liver right now. Tell me what's going on in your brain. You don't know. I don't know. He knows. That's what that verse is telling us. 
He is demonstrating his deity, his relationship with God, because he sustains all things by the power of his word, by his powerful word. We'll come back to that radiance and exact expression one more time. But let's finish tonight by this last phrase. After, circle that, circle that, underline that, highlight that, Stick a piece of chewing gum right there beside that. <laughs> After. See, here's this process from creation. All that's going on in creation, sustaining all this, 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 this. God speaking to the prophets, God doing this, 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 this. And it was all waiting one dramatic event. What was it? After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high after making purification for sins. Now that'll be the key to the next couple chapters. What he had to do in order to make purification for our sins possible. What he had to do. And he finished that work with the statement, it's finished. He came to do that. And chapter two and three are gonna give us copious strategic statements about what God the Son had to do to move from his full expression of deity, uncompromised glory, powers, all that that was taking place because he's God in order to make purification for our sins. Now the word purification is an interesting one. It means purification. Listen, it doesn't mean permission to do better. It doesn't mean enablement to no longer need God's grace. It means the purification, a state, a condition in which even God cannot and will not ever judge me for my sin. Purification. Purification. He made purification. He made purification for sins. He didn't come down to just kind of help us along. He didn't come down to tell us what's the right thing to do to get there. He didn't come down to kind of push us along and, and show us that we needed it. He came down to give us the full package. He came down to make absolutely everything necessary so that we could be pure before God as he is pure before God. That's what that means. And the Bible says after he did that, he sat down to the right hand of the Father. That's significant too. And the writer will make much of that a few chapters from now. Now listen as we close. Do you understand? Do you understand that everything that happened in the Old Testament was God moving to be with his people, to provide for them a purification that blood of bulls and goats couldn't do, provide for them a purity that no human sacrifice and no human mediation, no angel could do that. God was moving in that direction to do that. And the Son had to come to finish the work. And when the Son finished the work, it was done. 
It was done. It was finished. Purification, pure, simple, and perfect, had been purchased and provided for me by Jesus. I can add nothing to it. I can take anything away from it. It's a gift, a gift of grace. And he sat down. Where? At the right hand of the Father. That's the highest pinnacle of power and prominence in the universe. And he's sitting. He's not standing. He's not pacing the floor back and forth. What are we going to do about Syria? What are we going to do about Egypt? What are we going to do about, what are we going to do about, what are we going to do about Father, Holy Spirit, what are we, how are we going to get out of this mess? No. To them it's not a mess. To them it's not even a challenge. To them it's what they choose to put up with in order to extend mercy, grace, and purification to anyone, everyone, who serve a will. My friend, if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, you're missing the whole purpose for your existence. You're missing the best gift that God can give, the only gift that keeps on giving. And it's free, postage, pay. And the one who is the executor sits at the right hand of the Father. So Father in heaven, help us to see that all of these things are prophecy. They are written promises. They are contracts that you have signed, sealed, delivered. They are covenants you have made. They're expressions of your heart, your mercy, your love, your grace. And they're offered free, just like we sang tonight. Free. No work on our part can ever achieve it. No work on our part can ever sustain it or keep it. We receive it because it is the word and work of the Creator Himself. My dear friend, if you have any question tonight about your relationship with the one who is the Word, the one who is the Son, the one who is the Father, I encourage you, dare to trust him, dare to open your heart. The book of Hebrews will give you many, many, many reasons for that, and will go to great lengths to explain how all that works. But God will not force you into his family. He will offer. He will give, but you must receive, and the only way to receive is to open the hand of your heart 
and invite Him, the Son, to come into your life and to be your Savior, your purifier, your guarantor of eternal life. Father, some of us have heard this so often and known it for so long and enjoyed many of its benefits that we're tired and weary of it. We, we just, we're so eager for the fulfillment, for this whole salvation experience, this purification experience, this finishing experience, what we have already by faith received as Christians is so, so small compared to all that is promised and will be performed, just like you said. Give us confidence in what you've said. Give us trust in your integrity. And give us the ability to glow and show and share with others these wonderful, wonderful, wonderful truths that have been spoken by their Creator. Thank you for these folks tonight who came. I pray that you'll encourage them as they seek to understand your word. Pray that as we prepare for next week, uh, pray that the rest of chapter one would excite our hearts. Give us each time to ponder that. And where possible, give us a chance to just sit down and read through this book and reflect upon how much is promised, how much our faith receives that we have not and cannot yet touch or even imagine. Remind us that that's prophecy. So tonight, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and we understand that you got that under your control. Give us safety as we travel home and a delightful time in the rest of this week, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. The son who laid down in a manger, who stood up to teach and was lifted up on the cross, has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high after making purification for sins. Jim's message that we've covered in the past few days of the broadcast is called God Has Spoken. If you'd like to share the message with a friend, you can order the CD. We'll send it for your gift of $7 or more. And you can get the entire series on disc. It's a 19-message set, yours for a gift of $66 or more, and it's called God's Ultimatum, Volume 1. Now let me address the listeners who earmark some of their finances for Right Start and who pray for us. It's an honor to work with you to get these messages out to the world. You inspire us, so thank you. And to everyone, let us know if you're ready to join the Right Start family. We'd welcome your help. You can mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or call during business hours Eastern Time, one 800 984 
That's 800-984-2313. And you can always visit the website, rightstartradio.org. You can send your donations securely there, and you can browse through hundreds of hours of audio resources, years' worth of previous radio programs, unedited sermons, and you can subscribe to Right Start as a daily podcast. We'll give you a link at rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. The Hebrew Christians had started right, but they were drifting. Have we checked our compass lately? Please join us on Monday after the excellent weekend you're about to have for the next Right Start. Thank you.